you are listening to the art of the matter hosted by arvind vijay mohan ladies and gentlemen welcome to art of the matter the show where we give you an insider's view of all that matters within the indian art world and introduce you to this domain's most interesting personalities On today's episode we speak to one of India's most prominent collectors someone who after several decades of collecting decided to go one generous step forward and share his private collection with the community in the form of a museum Abhishek Podar shares his journey within the Indian art world starting with his early steps as a young collector riddled with several fascinating incidents and serendipitous encounters He tells us about the adventures involved with getting the Museum of Art and Photography map as it's popularly known off the ground. Please join me in welcoming Abhishek. So Abhishek as one of the most prominent collectors uh, of the uh, you know in the Indian art ecosystem I'm very interested in knowing about uh, how you got your start in, uh, in 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 the direction of collecting. You started as a as a young individual. If you could share with our listeners exactly how that uh, happened, please. So you know, I don't know if I ever looked at myself at that time as a collector. I was just keen on art, and it was really the relationships that one made and where those conversations led to. amongst the really significant ones in the relationships were people like manjeet bawa and mf hussain right and both these i had met fairly early in life hussain i had met even before manjeet and this must have been when i was about 15 or something it was the illustrated weekly that we used to have in those days yes which had extensively covered hussain very often and uh, i was a student at school at doon where um, one learns that he goes around bare feet he doesn't wear any shoes and uh, rather a distinctive personality that if you would see you would instantly recognize his right flowing beard walking sometimes with his big paint brush and not having any shoes right. and lo and behold in one of those holidays in calcutta i am driving just outside the house and i see hussain standing at a bus stop I thought that you know this couldn't be him until the car moved ahead and I saw he wasn't wearing his shoes. <laughs> so I asked the driver to turn around and get me back there. So I got off and I asked him I said Hussain uh, sahab so he says yes. Uh he said how do you know it's me? I said kyunki you, you know that's because you're not wearing your shoes. <laughs> so I said can I help you somewhere so you seem to be waiting at the bus stop. So he said no I'm not waiting for the bus but I'm waiting for someone to pick me up. and they are late so do you mind waiting here with me until they come right and i said sure so it must have been about 10 12 minutes that we were standing there and we got talking and he asked me where i lived and i pointed to the house so he said why don't i come in and have a cup of tea with you tomorrow right. which is what he did and that was the beginning of our relationship and he has taken me to exhibitions he's introduced me to artists we painted on the same canvas he come in stayed with me several times thereafter right so it was incidents like this and it was never really looking at art for art sake i think i got interested in art because of the people that i befriended i guess it would be wrong to say that i wasn't interested because i wouldn't be looking at 
the Illustrated Weekly and his article without yes. that. Yes. But I think it really got enhanced by these relationships. Abhishek, this was clearly predestined. You know, I think certain things manifest themselves because they're meant to happen. This clearly was one such incident where it was almost primed to, to uh, you know, seek itself as an event in your life. Now, as I understand, you you mentioned um, Mr. Manjit Baba. He served as a mentor from, uh, you know, what I understand. He really was somebody who was very generous with his time. He spent a lot of time introducing you to fellow artists. If you could tell me about that relationship and, you know, the importance of a mentor in this scheme of things. So Manjit definitely was my mentor. And um, it was again, and knowing about him through Illustrated Weekly. Right. And uh, I visited him in Gadi, which is where he had his studio in Delhi. Yes. He wasn't there. So I'd left a little note for him that I'd come to see you, but you weren't here. I'll see you on another trip. And it was in another school holidays that I had that I went back to Manjit. And he was there that time and he said, yeah, yeah, I found your note. I'm not sure if he really found my note or he even knew what I was talking about, but he faked it. Right. And uh, I was calling him, I think I called him Baba Saab or something like that. Like I called Hussain Saab, right. thinking that's the right way to address somebody who's almost the same age as pretty much my dad or something. Mm-hmm. And after about 10, 15 minutes of talking, he Suddenly says he band kariye, Baba Saab, Baba Saab, call me Manjit. So uh, I said, no, I won't call you Manjit. May I call you Manjit Bhai? And uh, he stands up. And uh, so I thought, you know, he's looking for something. He's about to do something. But he just stands up and he's looking at me and he's not moving for 10 seconds, 15 seconds, 20 seconds until I started feeling a little uncomfortable. So I said, what's the matter? And he just gave me this warm embrace. This was literally the first time I met him. Right. And uh, towards the end of that meeting, which must have been about 40, 45 minutes, and I used to live in Calcutta in those days. Right. I said, Manjit, please remember you have a home in Cal. Right. And uh, you have to come. So he said, sure. Arvind, the next week, I'm at home in Cal and uh, the operator calls and he says, there's somebody who's come who's asking for you. So right. I said, who he says, I don't know who he is, but you know, it looks like one Sadhu Baba. <laughs> he's got this beard and this long hair and he's come in a kutta pajama. So I said, listen, these Sadhu types may be there for that. I don't know any Sadhu kind. So he said, no, no, but he's taking your name. So I said, you know, I, I told the guy, he must be saying, Mr. Podar, that means my dad, it doesn't mean me. He said, no, he said, Abhishek. So I went there and there's Manjit sitting there waiting for me. Right. So I said, what are you doing here? He says, Kamal ka admiya bolta mera ghar hai, so do I have to inform you before I come? <laughs> and I said, but what brings you here? He says, nothing. I've just come to see my home. I've just come to spend time with you. Wow. He came for four days with no agenda and no work just to be with me. And right. I do not know why he did it, but that was really the beginning of our relationship. Right. And we went to meet different artists in Calcutta. I think we had gone to see a couple of exhibitions and we just talked about art. Right. And when he was leaving, I said, Manjit Bhai, do this again. And within a few weeks, he was back in Calcutta. <laughs> right. 
Right. Uh, I mean, I think this really sets the tone, Abhishek. You know, this this explains to such a great extent uh, how you got so engrossed in the world. You obviously had some inclination, perhaps basis the pictures that you'd seen in the Illustrated Weekly and you know in, in person. Having grown up in Calcutta, also uh, you know would certainly have influenced you and in your your cultural aesthetic. I'd like to just get a sense of uh, of your home. Was there a lot of art at home growing up? You know, were there objects? There was a fair amount of art, but it was truly contemporary Indian art. Right. My parents were collectors, but I think they collected more of the European kind of stuff and what the English had left behind in Cal. Right. Though I must confess, there were three of there were four works of modern and contemporary art. There was a Bikash Bhattacharya. Right. And there were three works by Satish Gujarat at home. Right. And this is because. Uh, I think Dad and Satish Gujral were friends, and it was the very first dabbling in architecture right. by Satish Gujral was possibly at Dad's insistence. It was uh, for my aunt and uncle's home in Delhi that he called Satish and said, "Why don't you do up this house for them?" And that was really the very first time that there was an architectural project. It wasn't a full-blown architectural project, but it was a major renovation it wasn't a built from scratch kind of a thing right and uh, i think our family had also rented the house from i think it was mr ik gujral's home in delhi for right. in the early 70s so that's how the gujral podar connection had started there and how dad must have met with him so th- those were the only pieces of modern or contemporary art at home right otherwise it really wasn't even miniature paintings or stuff like that there were some classical sculptures at home mm-hmm. but most of those were also unearthed in the coal mines that we had in madhya pradesh so right. there was some of that but otherwise it was basically more european art english art right so this was really you setting off on a journey all by yourself in some manner uh when you when you decided to start collecting uh abhishek i'd like to i'd like to ask you about uh, your first picture you know the first work that you bought was there was there a notable acquisition that uh, that sort of set the ball rolling how did that uh, come about i do remember first time buying art we were doing up this place in kunur that mm-hmm. we had where our plantations are right and uh, so for that house we needed to buy a lot of art there was this art place called art seeker run by shubha prasanna who right. also kind of served as my mentor in calcutta he right. even taught me print making and he spent endless hours talking to me about art and uh, even exposing me to some of the calcutta school right. and uh, there was a show that he was having to benefit this place that he was doing art seeker where we picked up a whole bunch of stuff and it was never really i mean there were i think a bunch of jogin chaudhrys and other things in there i think the each one was priced at 600 rupees or some right. price like that uh, so that was a bunch of stuff bought but it wasn't bought because of any knowledge but it was just bought to fill up the walls at home of a new home that we were making in kunur right but uh, i remember the very first work i bought from my money and uh, this is when i was working with uh, standard chartered bank and khetan and company while i was still in college right and from my first salary it was victor banerjee used to run a gallery in yes. calcutta yes and 
there was a Jatin Das drawing, right. which was I think some thousand or twelve hundred rupees, which was the very first purchase I made from my earnings. Right. So yes, that was notable. Notable, uh, not that it's a very important work. It was a drawing, but notable because it was my first acquisition. Of course, how much? Um of of the friendship that you speak of with the artists i mean you know i think i think you were friends with everyone within the community at that time uh, abhishek how much of their voice played into your uh, collecting decisions was that something that you leaned on a lot a lot a lot right so in calcutta it was artists like ganesh pine and bikash right in uh, shanti niketan it would be jogen and kg subramanian in delhi it would be manjeet and hussain and ram kumar and you know that's how uh, a city would invite me there because of the time i would spend with the artists right and uh, i guess because i always had somebody looking over my shoulder and telling me what to look at and what not to look at i guess i didn't make as many mistakes as what somebody would have done without any such guiding light showing them the way sure there would be times where i would not see what i should be seeing in it and i would even get reprimanded by manjeet for that he saying theek to the person like you know you are not looking for what you should be looking here right so there would be those conversations all the time right and could even tell me that you know this is not the best work and why it's not the best work and look at this instead and not that i was buying anything very major or anything like that but i i think artists had all the time in the world in those days <laughs> yes. and uh, i don't think they had enough people who were interested in what they were doing so right. i had all the time in the world in those days and i didn't have anything better to do <laughs> right uh, abhishek this advisory board that you had which was which was pan india i think really served remarkably well in terms of just setting you up i mean in addition to having a, a you know a board that you can seek the counsel of what would you regard as your biggest learning as a collector especially during the early years when you look back i think partly it is that sometimes we go with a preconceived notion and uh, so i'll tell you this happened with jogen right and i was sitting at this gallery in calcutta and i was this impertinent young thing and i did not like jogen's work at that time at all right and i said something which must have been really like an upstart which kind of i don't remember exactly but it was something about you know but i don't understand your work or what kind of drawing is this or some i i can't remember exactly what right and i think nift jogen and it also nift the gallery owner who happened to be there right and about 5 or 6 months later when i met jogen again i had a totally different feeling for his work right and i remember when i told jogen and he said but this is what you had to say about my work some few months ago and i said i'm sorry but i it just shows how little i knew about your work and right just how much i have learned in these last few months that i think you are one of the greatest artists and we became very good friends and i would go to shantiniketan four five times a year to meet him right and you know he also agreed that i could pick up some of his more important works which is generally very very secretive and uh, possessive of right but 
just because I thought I knew it, but I didn't give it that much time. But that I'm not talking as a collector. I think as a collector, what the biggest learning has been, which I didn't see at that time, you have things that you enjoy and things that you don't enjoy. And then there was always this thing from fellow collectors that what are you doing with so much when you're never even going to use it? Right. So maybe you need to start getting rid of it and start making a collection sharper and better. Right. And I never really paid much attention to that. Mm -hmm. And I think I did well by not paying attention to that because otherwise I wouldn't have been able to start a museum. Right. And partly it may have been because of what one has collected. I can't say that I haven't made mistakes, but I think when you look back, you kind of see the pattern or the way the threads connect. Right. And uh, yes, if there's a paucity of space or one is only looking at not having more than 10 things at any given point of time, then maybe it would be a good thing to keep honing and keep bettering what one has. Right. And also keeping up with what you are enjoying at that time. Sure. So I think that's been a learning which, uh, in retrospect, it's not something that was planned that way. Though. You know, now this is, this is actually where it takes a very fascinating turn. You speak of the museum. Now this is MAP, Museum of Art and Photography. At what point uh, did you decide that uh, the collection should be shared with the community? Is there, is, there a, is there a moment that you remember? Or was this something that was building up over the years? I can't say there was one watershed moment. Mm-hmm. But it was conversations with uh, fellow collectors and collectors who were far senior to me in age and in collections and stuff. So it was uh, a Jahangir Nicholson who must have been in his late 70s or may have even been in his early 80s, I can't remember. And he would say he wanted to do a museum and I said, but so why aren't you doing it? And then he would say, no, I'm waiting for the government to give me land or I have to find the land. I don't have that. And then I said, but Jangu, why, why didn't you do it 30 years ago when you had the energy and you were much younger and you could have enjoyed your museum? What's the point of making a museum that you would never enjoy? Yes. And I had this conversation with three, four people who were all about the same age group. I may have just said it without meaning it. I said, but if I ever had to do something like this, I would do it when I'm 50. Why would I wait till I'm 75 or 80? Right. I do not know if that was a prophetic thing or, but it's not anything that I had in mind to do at that stage whatsoever. Right. Also, many historians and people from museums overseas would come and ask to see certain things in the collection because they'd heard about it from somebody or the other. And very often they would even want to borrow it for a show. Right. And I said, sure, you can have it, you can take it. And, you know, as long as it's being looked after. And it used to bother me where nobody in India is interested. Because, right. you know, we really had no modern and contemporary museum kind of shows there. Of course, the NGMA was always there, but uh, it was, and they did some good shows, but I can't, I cannot remember a single NGMA path-breaking show that made my eyes pop until a lot later. Right. Yet there were shows like, I remember um, there was this show called On These Four Artists. I think it was Seema who had done it. Mm -hmm. Uh, No, I don't even think Seema Gallery existed at that time. I think uh, it was a show on Bikash, Jogain, 
Somnath Hor and Ganesh Pine. Right. I've I've got the catalog behind me, so I'll give you the name of it. I'm I'm forgetting it right now. Now that was a show that really caught me. There was a show that Mapu had done, Vishwakarma, that really caught me, and they were right. almost like museum quality shows. And I'm talking all in around eighty five, eighty six, that kind of time frame. Right. And uh, you know why people are not doing museum quality shows here? Every time we went abroad, you would go to these museums. Yes. And then the museum started saying that, okay, now that you have all this, what are you going to do with all this stuff? Mm-hmm. And one day I said, well, uh, you know, it's eventually going to go to a museum. Right. And then they said, well, would you consider this museum or that museum? I said, if you open a branch in India, I'll give it to you. But none of those museums were prepared to open a branch in India. Right. And uh, then I guess this remained as a seed as to what should be done to better it. And one fine day I got approached by the government in Karnataka that right. why don't we look at doing a museum together? I think that's when the thing started taking much more serious shape. Right. Thank you for that, Abhishek. Uh, Abhishek, could you share the general intent? Is there an intent of MAP? You know, inclusivity. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to understand what, uh, what MAP stands for. So, well, MAP stands for the Museum of Art and Photography. Yes. <laughs> and it is to make your own art map. And, uh, you know, we've also, so we've only spoken about modern and contemporary art so far right. in our conversation. But MAP is much more than modern and contemporary mm-hmm. art. Yes. And these different collections were what MAP is comprising of. It's really six. It's uh, classical art, it's modern and contemporary art, it's photography, it's living tradition of folk and tribal art, it's textile craft and design, and popular culture. Right. And each one was, each direction that I was led in by a different mentor, a different guru, Mm -hmm. which got my eyes really wide open to look in that direction and enjoy that right you know like i had the greatest teachers when it came to modern and contemporary art they were no less great when it came to the other departments right so it was people like dayanita singh and prabuddha who taught me what i know about photography it was a uh, uh, mapu who taught me about textiles it was a uh, jyotindra jain who showed me popular culture it was Jagdish Mittal and B.N. Goswami told me about miniature paintings. So I literally had the best, which without going to art school, without knowing anything, whether they found me or I found them, or it was serendipity how we found each other, but I had the best. So I, I literally learned all this from the best. So MAP comprises all this. The whole purpose and mission behind it is how do we take the arts to everyone? Right. You know, India possibly has one of the oldest civilizations yes. and a plethora of art around us, but we've become immune to it, blind to it. We don't see it. Yes. I've had blessed life when it comes to everything, and especially when it comes to the arts. Knowing all these people personally, they're mentoring me, showing me, introducing me to, you know, the finest of all these departments. I just felt that I don't think that most other people would have this opportunity to learn from the best. So let's make a space that they can come to because I don't know of a single other person who's had such a lucky run. Right. And the whole idea was 
what you also do with the collection at the end of the day it was far more than you can even enjoy or even have up on your walls and it's unfair that you know at the end of the day one is only a guardian looking after this or custodian for a certain period of time right it belongs to the country it belongs to everybody and it needs to be enjoyed by everybody that was the only motivation why we started that's genuinely wonderful to hear uh, abhishek my wish as someone who's who's been an observer within the art fraternity is hopefully we'll have we'll have more individuals like yourself who share the sentiment who will be able to share uh, you know the privileges that they've had really uh, with uh, with the community at large can you share with us the uh, milestones going forward for uh, for the museum in terms of timelines so you know covid has taught me one thing to never set a date for it <laughs> we yet wanted to open the museum right. so we went ahead with the digital launch of the museum and mm-hmm. we kept the dates that we had given mm-hmm. of the 5th of december and um, had it been a physical opening it would have been for 200 people right but the fact that we discovered i mean the joke internally at map is my cto says that you know he had a room in the corner of the basement now he's got the corner office on the top floor because <laughs> <laughs> think it could happen without technology and the yes, digital absolutely and uh, i guess because we didn't have any baggage or legacy we could just embrace it because we didn't know any better so we we did our digital launch against 200 people we've been watched about 70000 times right. which is uh, makes us believe that even going forward there is no way that the world will it be only physical it'll have to be hybrid model where effectively we've delivered one part of our museum which is the digital museum and of course i think the equally if not more important part is a physical museum yet has to be done we then set the date for 5th of december 2021 for our opening right. and this was again at the beginning of this year until the second wave came in it us and i don't think we can open this year right and now when people are insisting on a date i said i'm not giving you a date i'll open <laughs> but sure. we are going ahead and doing our first anniversary launch so right. we are we are behaving as if the museum is open and we are celebrating our first anniversary except that the first anniversary is also going to be digital right right uh, abhishek congratulations on the upcoming anniversary uh, you know years years uh, hoping that the doors open you know sooner than we expect uh, trust me i'm waiting more desperately than anybody <laughs> i can imagine uh, abhishek could you tell us a little about the digital museum what's different between a website and a digital museum yes yes absolutely but i think the big difference is earlier your website was a brochure to your museum Mm-hmm. it gave you timings it gave you directions it gave you key highlights of your programming and exhibitions it just, it was information and a map to what you can expect there right but i think the world has come a long way in the last year year and a half where today you can experience everything on there so right from exhibitions to workshops to master classes to blogs to read to videos to everything happens there right so to that extent it's a place that you meet it's a place that you congregate and you experience 
and it's been done quite differently. I mean, if you look at a, the general perception of a digital exhibition, mm -hmm. you see it done in a space resembling a gallery. Right. And you would move your cursor the way you would go around the exhibition physically, and then you'd come to a corner, and then you'll turn the corner, and then you'll go into the next room. So it's laid out like that. Right. In Mab's case, a digital exhibition is conceived as a digital show. It's right. not a replication of what would happen in the physical space. Right. So if the same show was done physically, you would experience it very differently from how you would experience it digitally. Right. And each digital exhibition has a fair amount of interactivity and digital inputs into that, which you would not get in the physical show. Right. So in that sense, it's a little different. We didn't even, we knew we were just going to do a digital launch. We thought, you know, it's high time COVID will get over. And actually around November, December and January, India was pretty certain that COVID was behind us, even though the rest of yes. the world was dealing. We didn't even say we are doing our digital museum. We just said we are doing our digital launch. Right. And uh, when it came to actually doing our digital launch and when we saw the kind of response we got and the number of people who were seeing it, that's when we said that until we open, because we still knew we were going to open a year later, mm -hmm. why do we, since we've done a digital launch, are we going to do nothing between now and when we physically open? Why don't we do whatever we have to do on this platform? And that's how the digital museum was conceived. So that now we need to do exhibition, we need to do this and we need to do that. And exactly what you do in a physical space, you start doing here. Fantastic. Strange as it sounds, uh, one has to thank, you know, the impact of COVID uh, oh, for, for I, thinking I, out of the box. No, we have cursed COVID mm -hmm. and... Uh, I mean, even at MAP, we've caused COVID, but it has really taught us to innovate and do stuff. I still remember when this was our very first Zoom call right. in March last year, mm -hmm. the senior team at MAP, uh, we had shut down our office actually about 10 days before India had shut down. Right. And uh, we all had long faces on the first Zoom call and we said, what the hell are we going to do? And I just said, would you realize that for the first time in history, every museum is on the same line? Incredible. You may have opened 200 years ago. You may not have opened. You may be the smallest museum, the biggest museum, some museum that gets uh, 10 million visitors, some museum which gets 10 people a day. You're all on the same line. Now, if we can take five steps ahead, we'll be five steps ahead of anybody else. Right. So... Let's all come up with a, an idea. It need right. not be a good idea or a bad idea. All it needs to be is to be a mad idea. <laughs> and we meet again after three days. And we actually came up with such mad ideas. And one of them was this. Right. Incredible. Well, it's, it's, it's wonderful to know that the museum's footprint is still around. It's something that people can visit as required. And... Um, you know, hopefully the, the doors to the museum physically will also open really, really soon. Abhishek, uh, Abhishek before we, we uh, conclude the call, I just, uh, I'd, like, I'd like to understand if there are a few pointers you'd like to give any collector out there, could be young, could be old, uh, but someone who perhaps is beginning to take his first steps in the direction of creating a museum collection. What should this collector keep in mind? 
I think quality is very important always. And uh, it's not always what we think is quality before we know what quality means. Mm -hmm. You know, very often people say, but I like this and that's why I'm living. And that's fine. I I have no problems with your liking it. But uh, you might have a strange taste in food where you want to, you know, put ketchup over your dessert and have it and you might like that but uh, when you're looking at going to any expert or becoming an expert in any field you learn from the expert right you would not buy a stone because of how sparkly it is you would if you're spending a big chunk of money on it you would go to someone who can recognize that stone and say that yes this is worth what you're spending so if you don't know, don't be afraid to ask. And the only way to know is spending enough time with it. Right. It's that plain and simple 10,000 hour rule. You do anything for that long, you become good at it. Right. And if you're seriously interested today, you may be interested in classical music. Mm-hmm. You will not go on stage and start singing until you do riyas and practice and practice and practice. Yes. Similarly over here, you might... Yes, sing in your shah, you might sing in front of your friends. Similarly, you might pick up something for your walls, but if it needs to get to a really good collection where a museum would want to borrow it from you, I think you've got to give it a lot more time. Sometimes you'll be lucky. And of course, I've only been lucky. I can't say anything else, (laughs) but uh, you've got to spend time on it. Absolutely sage advice, uh, Abhishek. Abhishek, I'd like to thank you for your time uh, and all the thoughts that you've shared. It's it's really inspiring to have heard this story. And I know this will really uh, provide fuel to a number of our listeners. Uh, and hopefully it will lead to over the you know, next following few decades, uh, you know, a few more museums in different uh, parts of the we country. We need a thousand museums like MAP and better than MAP. Thank you, Arvin. Artery Conversations you know, Richard, one of my favorite Indian artists is Nasreen Mohammadi. Hmm. Uh, you know, I truly relate with her minimalist style. I think I agree with you, Kavya. Uh, she's one of the unique names of Indian art. And what you said about her minimalist style, I think I agree with that too. Because her artworks carry absolute symmetrical lines. They're just so precise. Absolutely. You know, they're so intricate. There's, you know, the meditative in every way. Yeah. They actually leave you speechless. Yeah. And, and it's fascinating to see how she, how she not only chose to create art in the abstract style, but her career is also a rare example of an approach that's timeless, I would say. That's very, very true. You know, I'm truly... Um, interested in her background you know uh, what was her artistic practice like what influenced her art you know those kind of things yeah well she was born in Karachi in 1937 and she accumulated a variety of uh, artistic experiences while she was studying in Europe and when she returned to India in 1970 from London mm-hmm. she she came in contact with a few of her contemporaries to to begin with uh, this was the time when she met, um, you know, Taya Mehta, MFSN, VS Gaitonde, right? Exactly, exactly. And she met them at the Bhulabai Memorial Institute in Mumbai. Mm-hmm. And this was actually a turning point for her because it was there that VS Gaitonde assumed the role of her lifelong mentor. Mm-hmm. And he had a significant impact on her. 
and it went on to shape her artistic career majorly yeah you can actually see the influence and uh, a work recently came up at auction in uh, last year in 2020 mm-hmm. you know which is a great example of the kind of influence that uh, gaiton they had on her art very true i mean it was um, it's an untitled work by her mm-hmm. and um, she created it back in 1963 and mm-hmm. it's from a set of early works before she moved to minimalism mm-hmm. and uh, i think what's impressive is that it sold for 3.2 crores yes um, you know this untitled canvas is actually the most expensive work of nasreen to have sold at auction uh, till date and in fact it is one of the few selected works uh, from 2020 that went on to achieve staggering prices you know despite the global uh, economic turbulence absolutely i mean uh, not just this work but a few more works by her also performed very well at auction hmm. and uh, this shows how impactful art is and the way it moves and attracts people absolutely i completely agree you know her artwork is precise it has the finest lines mm-hmm. and you know it is an example of controlled handwork yeah i i i agree completely and and moreover it appears elegant you know mm. simple and at the same time it's also uh, brimming with energy Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Mohammadi's creations actually mirrored the aesthetics of her home. Mm. Uh, you know, that resembled an abode of a Sufi with mm. the bare white walls, minimal furniture, and a low work table. So you know, she really took from her environment, and you know, that had a great uh, impact on her art. Absolutely, I agree. Now, if there's anything that you wanted to know about Indian art but have been too afraid to or haven't known whom to ask, look no further. We're right here. at your beck and call send us an email on contact@artoryindia.com and we'll get our friendly helps to start working on a suitable response to your question right away till you hear from us next years wishing you all a very happy rt time and as always when you think art think artery <laughs>